Welcome back to another edition of Sports Business Secrets. My name is Kevin Tarka. I am the founder of Creation Talent Agency, and I will be releasing a new podcast every single day for an entire year that is specifically designed to share the inevitable challenges of the sports business world and how to overcome them. I'm inviting you to join me in real time on my personal journey of representing professional basketball players, traveling the world, and continuously finding ways to battle through the adversity in this competitive industry. The goal is to share as many secrets as I can to help you along your own path to success. Welcome back to another edition of Sports Business Secrets. Today, we're talking with IMG basketball coach, Billy Clapper. And for those who are less familiar with his background, Billy played at Mount Aloysius College and then Youngstown State University. He got into coaching pretty much immediately after graduation, spending uh, time on staff at Indiana State, Pitt Johnstown, and then was the head coach of Penn State Altoona for six years. He is also the GM of sideline cancer of the sideline cancer basketball team in the TBT tournament. He's a motivational speaker, a basketball camp connoisseur, and is currently entering his sixth year at IMG. So welcome coach. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Appreciate it very much. So I typically like to start with allowing my guests to tell the audience a bit more about uh, themselves. Maybe you can start with kind of growing up in PA and uh, you know, when basketball started making an impact on your life. Um, sure. Happy to touch on that. Um, I'm from a small town in central Pennsylvania, probably about an hour from Penn state is where I grew up. And, and we were still about 50 minutes from Maryland and an hour from West Virginia, a one stoplight town. And, uh, you know, sports was definitely something that we did on a daily basis. Um, basketball really became a focus of mine when I was in probably the eighth grade. And, um, you know, I, I knew then that I wanted to try to be a college player and specifically try to become a division one basketball player. And, uh, you know, I, I worked very hard on that, had a lot of people along the way help me on that journey and, you know, made that come true as an athlete. Um, when I got to college, then I ultimately, you know, knew probably by my sophomore year of college that I wanted to actually pursue that as my profession as well. Got it. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. So you knew pretty early on that you wanted a coach, right? I mean, was there was there a time that you were playing when you wanted to, uh, you know, get to the NBA or, or what really made you decide that coaching was in your future? Yeah, well, um, when I was in, growing up, I, I wanted to become a Division One basketball player. Whenever where I was from, there never had been anybody who had accomplished that. So um that was sort of the, the goal. Um, unfortunately, you know, come senior year, I'm not as good of a player as I, I would like to be. I had the work ethic, but I just wasn't the player that I wanted to be. Um, but I didn't give up on the goal. Um, I ended up going to what was then an NAIA school, Mount Aloysius, played there for a year. Um, after playing that, I sort of had gotten what I could out of that experience and said to myself, you know what, I didn't work hard through the years to just hang my hat and say, this is what I did. Um, I'm nothing against small college basketball. I have a deep appreciation for that. Um, but just for me, I had accomplished what I could at that level and it was time to, to try something else and make something else come true. So I actually um, chose Youngstown State University over uh, Robert Morris uh, to try to pull off the, the uh, inevitable, can I be a, a walk? on your team and I knew just from my own experiences um, that I would have to find a way to get my foot in the door so at the time uh, John Robick 
uh, who is now on the staff at Kentucky. He had been an assistant under Coach Calipari at UMass. He was the head coach of Youngstown State. And uh, I won't go into the whole what happened at Robert Morris, but at the end of the day, I, I was talking to the third assistant at Robert Morris, and he said I could come and see them when school started. And Coach Robick actually offered me a spot as a manager, and it would give me some scholarship money. And I knew, you know, I wouldn't be able to be a walk-on right away, nor transferring from NAI to Division One would that be possible. I would have not have been eligible. So, um, you know, I was a manager actually for two years. I kept working towards that, you know, eventually had the conversation with him that I wanted to, you know, try to be on the team and play. And, you know, uh, I give him a lot of credit. He made a dream come true for me and let me do that my senior year. Um, coaching wise, though, I also made the move to Division One going into my sophomore year of college, knowing that if I didn't make it, even as a player at the Division One level, I at least am now around what a Division One program would be like. I'm around guys who are very connected and well-respected in the business. Um, and then also what I did was starting at basically 17 years old, I helped with my first basketball camp. Um, by the time I'm 18, I'm doing more. And, you know, when I'm in college at you know, 18, 19, 20, I'm actually going around the different college camps around the country, um, primarily on the East Coast. I went as far north as Rhode Island as far west as Louisville, you know, as far south as NC State. I tried to keep it within like an eight hour. I could drive it in one day, you know, distance. But I, I really went to a lot of different camps. And then I started speaking at camps too. You know, I would go and do, you know, uh, a ball handling routine and, and different things I would do with skills. And um, it was a way to, you know, motivate kids and tell people, like, hey, you know, my goal of, of playing Division One basketball, you know, is on the way to happen or, or has happened. Um, and this is something that I used as a, a skill set to help me become a, an expert in a specific skill mastery. So, mm. uh, yeah, I, I love obviously always, always when we talk, I love the walk on experience because I can relate to that uh, personally as well. But uh, but, you know, I think going to going to all those camps and helping running those camps really just just help spread your network. And that's obviously ultimately what helped you what helped lead you to 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 get into coaching and get that opportunity. And so. Can, can you I touch on that? It's funny, it's funny you say that because I had a guy, I was 22 and I spoke at the University of Buffalo's camp when Reggie Witherspoon was the head coach there. And, you know, you, you come in and you do the whole thing. And afterwards, a guy had hold, heard my story and, you know, I had not found that was in August of 2005. And I had not yet accepted a college coaching job for that fall. And a guy came up to me and actually was on the camp staff. And he says, you know, I heard your story. And I think as hard as it was for you as a player, I think you're going to find out that it would, it'll be just that hard as a college coach. And, you know, it's sad, but true. And I've tried to people that know me, I've, I've tried to be the opposite of this, but of all the guys I met working these college camps over the years and, you know, not to be negative, but they knew who they are. If, if they met me as a 20, 21, 20 year, and I'm at their camp for five days, like those guys didn't help me try to get jobs. You know, like th there was no benefit other than them knowing who I was. Um, there really wasn't guys trying to make calls and things like that. And, you know, I ended up taking my first coaching job um, as a part-time assistant at Penn State Altoona, 40 minutes from where I grew up. And I was there for a year, you know, but I will say, you know, the, the connections and the people closest to me ultimately helped me. Um, it wasn't the big name coaches. It was the people who were closest to me drawing on their inner connections and their inner circles 
um, to actually get me the opportunities to go be a, you know, a graduate manager at Indiana State to become a, a, an assistant at a, at a powerhouse D2 like Pitt Johnstown at 24. You know, those things were really vital to uh, me getting a chance to be a college head coach. So. No doubt. And I'm glad you said that because it's, it's just become every year it's more oversaturated and more oversaturated and, and all, all these people that want coaching jobs are fighting for the same spots or maybe even less spots now, you know, so it's, it's, it's super important to keep that circle close to you. And, and so can you touch on a little bit between coaching at the division one level and then the division three level? And then I want to kind of transition into your time at IMG because obviously coaching at those different levels are very different. So I think it would benefit some of the listeners to hear you know, some of those main differences, whether it's recruiting or the type of kids that you teach or the different way that you have to coach those players. Um, at the division one level, I actually got to work as a graduate manager for Royce Waltman at Indiana State and Coach Waltman. Um, it was an incredible experience to actually be able to be with him, considering, you know, he had worked under Bobby Knight um, at Indiana, helped Coach Knight win a national title. Um, he also was from the same region that I grew up in. And that was the whole connection um, to him. You know, I met him actually as a sophomore at um, Youngstown State. We played our first game that year at Indiana State. And uh, I actually went up and introduced myself to him before the game. You know, and mm. I had no, no reason not to. And, uh, you know, I remember one of the assistants at YCU's, you don't go up and say hi to the opposing coach, but but he actually said, give me a minute. And he came back and we chatted for five minutes and he just could not believe that I was from the same area. You know, he knew mutual people. He had coached against my high school coach, you know, and ultimately said, let's keep in touch. And, uh, you know, I actually tried to go out there and work camp one or two times and the dates just didn't work out. Um, but we kept that relationship. I'd send him a note or an email here and there and everything. And then ultimately, um, you know, one of his former high school players, you know, I had asked him, I said, would you be able to, you know, I didn't have Coach Waltman sell the thing. He said, I said, could you call him up and ask him if he could help me, you know, with this coaching job? And he ended up calling him and he says, he was, hey, Coach Waltman, point blank, I'll never forget the guy saying this to me. He says, he said, he'll make the call, but he wanted to know if instead you just rather come work for him. And so it ended up the next day I spoke um, to, you know, his to him briefly. And then I spoke to his head assistant, you know, Dick Bender, who is, you know, on the staff at Clemson, you know, it just came together that, you know, they gave me this opportunity. I, I, I didn't, you know, earn it one bit. He gave me the chance to, you know, to have that experience. Um, unfortunately, the staff was let go, you know, after that year, um, I was able to finish my master's degree from Indiana state, uh, which is awesome. But, um, you know, the experiences of being in the Missouri Valley conference, um, the coaches that, that were in that league, I really dove in that year in terms of, I wasn't obviously had anything to do with the scouting, but I took it upon myself to actually get the films and go scout every single opponent myself. And then I compared that to what the other coaches were, were telling coach Wallman. I knew what was going on. I knew what players were, um, you know, but just to have, you know, Dana Altman at, at Creighton, to have Mark Turgeon at Wichita State, Chris Lowry, you know, who once turned down the Michigan job, he was at Southern Illinois. I mean, like, I mean, hate to say it, Porter Moser was at Illinois State. You know, we beat them in the conference tournament to end their season. And, you know, I think he was let go after that game too. You know, I mean, it's just 
the coaches in that league, it, it, it truly was an incredible experience to see all those great coaches, you know, in that league and where they've now went on to. But, you know, Coach Waltman was just an, an expert on the motion offense. Um, the way he motivated players to, to work hard, that was just, you know, an awesome experience. But at the end of the day, it's a business. You know, I, I saw that. I knew that from my experiences, even, you know, where I'm at today, you know, it's a business, you know. And so um, the Division Two and Division Three level, you know, I think they're more of a, of a student athlete centered um, type experience. And, you know, there's a little bit more wiggle room. Um, not to saying that doesn't happen in the Division One, and there's some programs that really do focus on those young men and truly development, but there's too many times at the, that level where I just see things don't work out. The player wants out or the coach wants out. And that relationship is over. Um, we're at D2 and D3, you know, there, there's some things that can happen to try to really help that student athlete, you know, finish his experience and go through that school. Because a lot of times he picked that school because he really wanted to go to that school, not just because it was the biggest school that offered him. So. Definitely, definitely. Two things I want to highlight there that if you're listening and you want to be a coach that you said, uh, the first one was let's keep in touch, right? And you hear that a lot, whether you're in on the agent side, the scout side, you're trying to get a, a job in the NBA or you're a coach, let's keep in touch. But you actually did keep in touch. I mean, I think it's, you know, everyone says it, oh, let's keep in touch, you know, uh, touch base next month. And not a lot of people do. So the fact that you actually did keep in touch. And the second thing that was huge is that I think you made the ask, you know, you, you made the ask. You said, look, I need some help getting a job. And you reached out and made that ask and then doors open. So I think that's really important for people that are listening who want to coach those two things, actually keep in touch. And then sometimes you just have to make the ask. Um, and I think that's so, hard. To do. I think that's hard to do sometimes. Uh, for sure. Every, every college job. I actually, like I, I say, like, say, for example, there's some D one assistant job open today. Like, that's not my what I'm truly looking to do it at this right this second. But if I really want that job, it's not me shooting a text or shooting. It's me picking up the phone. And, and every one of the jobs that I got at the college level were all initiated upon a phone call. All, all four college jobs I expected or I accepted were all, even when I was a D3 head coach, like I literally called the AD on the phone and said, I want this job, you know, and, and sure enough through an interview process, you know, I got it then, but it's just amazing. You know, when you know, that's the job um, you just know sometimes. And unfortunately it doesn't always work that way too. Um, there are some jobs, you know, I thought at times I might get an interview for, or, or I had people tell me they would call me back and they didn't and things like that, you know, and it's just like, it's the nature of, of the beast. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, and so let's transition into where you are now. Obviously, there was a point in time when you made the transition from college coaching to more of the high school level prep level or, or, or even youth coaching with your camp. So what 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 kind of I guess what was going through your head where you thought that, that was enticing or what part of the youth development did you like more than than the college coaching? That's a great question. Um, I've always I started my own company when I was 22. Um, that was something I knew I wanted to have a company. So as soon as I, I literally, I took a business law class my senior year of college. So I knew whether I wanted to go, you know, um, LLC or, you know, any of those other types of ones, you know, sole proprietorship, whatever I wanted to do, like, I knew that what it was, was, and I literally had the paperwork filed, you know, with, with the government, with the attorney, all that type of stuff, um, before I even graduated college, like my company was up and running, which was, you know, which was a lot of fun. So I tell people, you know, Hey, if you want to do something like that, 
do it. You know, there, there's people out there who will help you. It might cost a little bit of an investment early on, but in reality, it was, it was one of the best decisions I could have made at that age. Um, from there, you know, I always had that as a supplement to my college coaching experience. I've never, I till today, you know, is what 16 years later, I have never made that the priority over the actual coaching position. So, you know, is that something that I could do and I could go and, you know, maybe make more money? Yeah, but I want that to be a supplement. I still enjoy having a team every year and having that experience. Um, the division one and division two level, you are allowed to do workouts, players, division three, you're not out of season. That was a big issue for me personally. Um, I really believe I have a, a strong ability to help players evolve in areas of weakness that they can become a strength, but also help players who have a strength in something, take that skill now to mastery level. Um, again, that could be debated or whatever, but my belief is that, and from what I've been able to help um, some athletes do over the years, I, I believe in that for me. Um, my experience at the division three level, I just didn't win enough games, you know, in my six years. I, I'm lucky to be able to get to done it for that long. Um, I truly believe I could get another head coach experience uh, down the road. But when I do that, I now know certain things that I need to have, um, in, whether it's in terms of resources or recruiting areas or such, for me to ultimately succeed in that position. For me to take that position, I tell my wife different times, I say, if we take a college head coaching job, we are not losing. Like I, I know what and where, and you know what, you get a tough break every now and then, but like, I'm going to make sure I'm in a good position. And trust me, I was in a good position where I was before, but just some of the chips and the way things aligned, it just didn't work out. And, you know, they made a change when they needed to. And it was a great time for the change because the program, you know, the players we had in the program, two years later, the head coach was actually able to have some success with them. So I'm happy about that, that I can look back and say, hey, I had the right kids there. It just was then the time for a different voice. And, and you go with that. And that's happened a number of places over the years. So um, there's no shame in looking back at that. Um, but I did struggle with the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I need my players at my division three school to get better. And I couldn't work with them legally outside of October 15th to February, end of February. And having worked for Royce Waltman earlier, like I learned point blank, like there's no gray area, like you do it the right way. And, you know, it's a shame that there's a lot of these coaches that they actually you know, cheat and they get fired and they just bounce back three years later after their show cause or whatever from the NCAA. So I not anything personally against those guys. That's the way they want to do it. But I learned from coach Waltman that there's a right way. And that's the only way in my eyes to do it. And, you know, I, I will always appreciate that. And I will always respect that lesson. And if, and if there's young coaches out there working for a guy who, uh, who is asking them to do those things, you know, someday you may be asked questions and I just hope that they can look in the mirror and, and tell the honest answers, you know? Um, but in terms of the actually coming to IMG, I knew when I was let go, my co coaching contract was not renewed at Penn State Altoona. Um, I had a number of college opportunities to go back into, but every one of, there was one head coaching job. I did an interview on, I didn't get that. And I just kept looking at the college jobs that I, was realistically getting interest back on. And I just knew that in my heart that 
two or three years later, I was going to be looking for a job again. And so I needed something to make a splash. Um, I had met you, I believe, you know, at Portsmouth Invitational a few years ago. I had already I'd been to Portsmouth twice, two years prior, trying to start to get myself in the professional game. Um, we had already launched our T TBT team, Sideline Cancer. So I, I began to have a hand in professional hoops, but it was not something to where I had the relationships where I could just bounce right into the NBA at that time. Um, so when an opportunity came here to IMG Academy, um, I, you know, was given this chance through another coach I knew, Coach John Mahoney, and the connection with him and a couple other people, it ultimately allowed this to happen. So I joined IMG as a member of the post-grad program um, where I basically was the assistant coach for the top post-grad team. And then we had a secondary team that primarily had kids that were Division Two and Division Three players, um, which is you know one of the levels that I had worked with. And in terms of college placement, it worked out really well because I knew a lot of coaches at D2 and D3. So I was, you know, the head coach of that team for four years, in addition to being the system of the top team. And then um, two years ago, our director, um, you know, asked me to take over one of the high school programs. So I'm still working with juniors and seniors in high school. Um, might be some kids who need a little bit more development. But, you know, even off of that team this year, I have three seniors you know, that are going to division two or division three schools that have guaranteed roster spots. So that's what we're, you know, sort of working on. And, and, you know, also with the camps and we do have some professional players come through. And then I also get to do some, you know, skill work at times with some of our other, you know, players. Um, but it's, it's one of those things that if you just, if you love basketball and you want to be in the gym, it's, it's a great place to be able to come to every day and, and say that I get to coach here. Definitely. Yeah. And, and, and some of the some of the growth lately is, is super exciting. Obviously, it's a prestigious academy known around the world. And, and so um, you've obviously over the six years you've been there, you've you've had a chance to coach some big time players and be around some big time performers. What have you noticed as a coach about the ones who make it to the highest level? Like what characteristics do some of those players share? And we've been pretty thankful that the ones that we thought could get there, have gotten there, um, you know, directly. I mean, I've gotten to coach three kids for an entire season that are, you know, on NBA rosters right now and, you know, work with a number of others. Um, some kids just have it. I, I think that's still going to be a work in progress. I've seen some guys not make it, um, but thankfully for our place, you know, we've had a lot of success stories, you know, but I've seen young men, um, in other schools that I've actually coached against. I think that would be more of, you know, seeing guys that, you know, this guy was a top whatever and, you know, heck, he's not even 23 years old and he's, he's nowhere, you know, or, or, you know, I actually, you know, was in touch with a young man. He had played it in a, an opponent that I had coached against. I saw him recently and just said, you know, like, where are you going to school? You know, I'm, I'm still looking, you know, he had been a, a top 100 recruit didn't last after a year, ended up at a JUCO, averaged less than 10 a game this year at that JUCO, and he's still looking for another Division One school to take him next year. And it just You just ask yourself, how does that happen? And you know what? There's circumstances, and you make the best of those circumstances. That's the way God wants it to be, and it's going to be. But, um, you know, there, there are some young men that um, are just blessed. There are some young men that have incredible work ethics. There's some that, you know, unfortunately suffer a setback or an injury. And, you know, whether they make the take advantage of that or whether they don't, you know, it's just those are the cards that are dealt. 
Um, and there's some young men that maybe they're not meant to be a division one player, but they're meant to be a division three player. And by coming to a place like ours, we're able to help them take that next step and be able to go to an elite academic institution or somewhere that just was their dream school. We had a kid a couple of years ago, like he literally said, this is my dream division three. And I kid you not, we got it done that he got to go to that school and got to play there, which was, was really, really cool. So um, I think it's to each his own. Um, some people may say, Oh, I want to play division one and rightfully so. And then there's other kids that just say, I just want to be able to put a college uniform on and I, I want to be able to help see that dream come true too. You know? Yeah. Yeah, de definitely. And, and so for, for young athletes that are listening here, uh, who dream of playing for whether it's IMG or whether it's, uh, you know, another top prep school or whether it's in college at some level. Um, wh what's a piece of advice you have for them now, the ones that want to play at the highest level, but they're not, maybe they're still in high school. I think the, the first off is balance with it and in creating a game plan. Um, I really didn't have a, someone to look up to when I was trying to, pursue my dream um, I would try to find people who are where you want to be that you can have direct contact with them whether it's through you know workouts with, with doing college with college players when they come back for the summertime um, jumping in with them or whether it's you know finding a, the best strength coach you know and, and having the proper ways to help your body develop um, because I can tell you this if you have an injury, you're not going to be playing. So you want to be able to be shown the things that, you know, your body needs, but also can withstand. And then the other part of it is that I think you just need to be at a place where you can play. Um, I've seen too many times where there's 15 and 16 and 17 year olds and they just, they're not getting to play. And I'm not, I think sometimes there's a balance of, yeah, you got to work harder and earn your spot. And then there's other times like you just got to make the best of it. But um, especially the AAU, you know, I look mm -hmm. at kids, they sometimes want to be on this. I think high schools, it is what it is. Yes. But AAU programs, I think some kids want to say, well, they plan on the sneaker circuit. Well, if all you're doing is just wearing those sneakers and you're not actually playing in them, then that's not doing you any good. Uh, I've been to many AAU tournaments and had coaches come up to me and say, oh, yeah, take a look at so-and-so. And I'm like, well, he doesn't get off your bench. How's he going to get off mine? And trust me, there's there's some kids that are really good players that don't get to play for some AAU teams, and they are going to be a great small college player. But I think for kids that especially are paying for their AAU experience, they should be in a place where maybe they're not the starter, but they're getting to play, you know, a majority of that game and getting to, to use that experience to help them become a better player, but also to be showcased um, to college coaches. And they also want to be playing in events where college coaches are at COVID is obviously the exception, but it's always blown my mind that you see these hundreds of AAU teams at a place, you know, three or four years ago, and there's not more than two college coaches in the gym. And these kids are thinking that they're being recruited when really they're not, you know, so. That's, that's great advice. I say the same thing at the pro level with exposure camps. You know, you'll go to an exposure camp where they're promised this, that, and the other, and they're going to get a, try to play for a contract. And there's no scouts or there's, and there's no coaches there. So it's important to, to understand at the AAU level, but that's, that's great piece of, that's great piece of advice. So, uh, well, this has been awesome. I have one last thing that I like to wrap up with. It's called a sports business lightning round where I just fire a handful of questions at you and you got to hit me with the first thing that comes to your mind. All right, here we go. Favorite color. Blue, right here. There you go. Most points that you've ever scored uh, in your life? 
I think it was 12. Pizza or pasta? Pizza. MJ or LeBron? MJ. One of the coolest cities in the world that you've been to? Coolest or coldest? Coolest, coolest. Like most fun cities. I think Vegas was definitely a spectacle. That's a good one. What is something that you're really bad at? My wife says dancing. <laughs> nice. And what is one of your biggest strengths? Um, work ethic. Who are three people that have helped you tremendously in your life? Ooh, it's a good one. I, I would say um, my parents, I'll put into one, you know, giving me a great guide that way um, to a high school, a former high school coach who took a, a liking to me, John Swagger. He was sort of the one that made the original phone calls and got me connected with people to go do camps and such. And, you know, and then I think even just, you know, somebody like a, a John Robick who gave somebody a chance that honest to goodness, he did not have to let me be a walk on, on his team and have a spot and have that dream come true. But by that dream coming true, it created a story that, man, I can't even tell you how many kids have actually pursued that division one, or even just go play D two or D three because of me saying, Hey, I found the way to do it. You can too. And so I, I don't think, I don't think he, he made that decision then thinking that that could happen down the road for other kids, but he's, he's made a lot of other kids dreams come true because I've been able to share a message with them to, to just go after it and find a way. Awesome. What was your first ever job? Cutting grass when I was little. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Faith. Undeniable faith that I will trust in it no matter what. Love it. Two more. If you could trade jobs with any person in any industry for one week just to live their life in their shoes, who would that be? Be a major league baseball player. Okay, nice. That was that, that, that's a first. I like it. And last younger, one. If hey, when I was younger, I'll tell you this real quick. When I was eighth grade, I was actually a really good baseball player. And I stopped playing baseball. I told my parents, I said, I'm either going to be a minor league baseball player or a division one basketball player. And I stopped, I literally stopped playing baseball at the end of eighth grade and just did all basketball. Um, if I had to do it over again, I would have done baseball for fun a long way, but I still, I still wonder sometimes how far I could have made it there. If I wouldn't, you know, you just never know, but that that's a true boom. Awesome. And last one, if you could turn back time and talk to 18 year old Billy, what would you tell him? Um, balance for sure. Balance, you know, because I went all in and I think, you know, I made a dream come true. Um, I didn't miss thing. Thankfully I didn't, God gave me the ability to, to realize that I didn't miss things. Thankfully. Um, I made it hard for some things, but I didn't miss things, but I'm really fortunate that I didn't miss those things. So um, if I would, you know, and also if I think physically, you know, I, I have some issues physically now from wear and tear because I was so hard on my body. I was just every single day, um, you know, I played basketball. I worked out hours and hours and hours, whereas it would have been okay for me. And I probably would have actually been a better performing athlete if I would have took a day instead of putting two hours in the gym 
I actually would have went and studied film for an hour, did, you know, regen, you know, foam rolling and things like that, just stretching and things like that. And then maybe I, all I did that day was shoot 50 free throws. I think I would have been a lot better off. And so I try to share that message with students now um, that, you know, even though I was a diehard, I, I think that, you know, some of the lasting effects, you know, it's great to have that as part of your story, but in reality now at 38, you know, like I can feel certain things and it's because of overuse, you know, during that time when I really did try to make myself the player I am, you know, but I wouldn't trade that work ethic for anything because that's what got me to where I am too. But balance is my word. It's, it's definitely got to be the key. I love it, man. Well, this was awesome. Uh, I appreciate you coming. I know we had uh, a, a lot of topics that we could have dove into for hours, um, but uh, I just want to let you know, I appreciate our relationship and it's been, uh, it's been great getting to know you better. And um, I'm looking forward to watching you, you know, win a lot of games, not only of course at IMG, but with sideline cancer coming up here. I know you guys are doing some great work in the community and um, you know, I really appreciate you coming on. And for those listeners that are listening, if you don't follow coach on social media, go do that because he's got uh, he's got a lot of gems there. And if you ever get a chance to go to one of his camps, uh, it will, it will greatly benefit you. Thanks, Kevin. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could give it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling really crazy, you can even share it on social media. As always, if there's a topic you want me to talk about further or a guest you would love to hear on the podcast, just shoot me a message on social media at Kevin Tarka. Thanks again, and I'll see you here tomorrow morning on Sports Business Secrets.